iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Tribeca Film Festival. Hi, my name is Eugene Hernandez. I'm one of the founders and one of the editors of IndieWire. Uh, we're really excited to be working with Apple on this ongoing series of filmmaker talks here at the Apple Store, Soho. And uh, we invite you to check out uh, iTunes, and you can find podcasts of all the events every day um, from here at the Apple Store, Soho. Uh, we're taking about 45 minutes now for a presentation about IndieWire and about Snag Films. I'm going to hand the microphone over to Matt Dentler from CRM, Synetic Rights Management, Synetic Media. He'll be moderating the discussion and he'll introduce uh, everybody from Snag and IndieWire. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Uh, so yeah, so I'm Matt Dentler from Synetic. I'm happy to be here. Uh, and, you know, we'll just get going. I know we're on a, a tight schedule. So um, you've met Eugene. So Eugene, come on up. Um, we've also got uh, James Israel from IndieWire. <laughs> we've got Andrew Murr from Snag Films. And we have Stephanie Charis from Snag Films as well. She's going to be manning the, uh, the computer, is this demo. And Andrew, do you want to introduce our extra guests? Hello. Thanks for being here on this beautiful day. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Les Guthman, who has been in the business of making films for the last 25 years, synonymous with uh, adventure and environmental films, beginning with uh, Discovery Magazine's channel with Disney and then uh, outside uh, television. Uh, he's been with us since we were AOL True Stories. With which, turning, which we'll get into in a second. With Turning the Sea of Time and now has an XPLR channel on Snag Films with nine of his films and continuing to grow. And uh, I'll introduce you to Les and have him say a word or two. And we're pleased to have you here, honored, and thank you very much. So, um, so we'll just kind of start at the beginning, basically. Um, IndieWire, for those of you who aren't as familiar as people like myself who live on IndieWire all day long, both uh, on broadband and mobile, um, you know, IndieWire is a great uh, independent film, international film, and to a certain degree, when the time is right, studio film um, resource that's great for news, interviews, reviews, feature stories, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's really kind of the best resource that is around. And um, I, I, you know, urge all of you to, to check it out, book, bookmark it if you don't already. Um, because you guys are so sort of up to the minute with what's going on, what's being developed, what's being announced. And IndieWire has been around for a little over 10 years. And Eugene, for you, since you were there at the beginning, kind of explain to us, for those of us who aren't so sure about it, how did IndieWire come to be? Um, it's actually almost 13 years now, which is crazy. Um, Matt was um, in preschool at the time. Um, True. We started it 13 years ago. Uh, it, was, it began actually on AOL, of all places, um, as a section of um, their mainstream Hollywood section. Uh, we wanted to find a way to create a community online for independent filmmakers. I started going to Sundance in the early 90s. In 93, I met a bunch of other folks who we would eventually start um, launch IndieWire with. Uh, and we wanted to find a way to connect filmmakers year-round. You know, you, we'd go to these festivals, you meet all these filmmakers, share all this information, meet cool people, and then you wouldn't see them again until the next Sundance, a year later. Um, 
the festival circuit was a lot less uh, dynamic, I would say, in certain ways, because there weren't as many uh, folks who were kind of hitting, especially young, younger filmmakers, weren't hitting as many of the festivals or really connecting in the way that they do now. Um, and so we wanted to find a way to create some kind of online network to sort of allow people to connect, share information, share resources, and then IndieWire eventually grew out of this need to have a, a more tangible way to share information and ultimately news. We felt like um, we felt like Variety wasn't really serving the independent community as well um, because it wasn't their primary focus. So we were inspired by what they were doing, inspired by a filmmaker magazine, and we needed some kind of resource that would be uh, more immediate daily, ultimately. Um, and that's essentially how it began. And so 13 years ago, it's, you know, what is that, 1996, you know, the internet, I mean, was just at the time becoming part of a household thing. Um, what were sort of those, those early days like? You know, how did you sort of get, you know, how, how were you able to sort of prove your, your metal with, you know, publicists, filmmakers, you know, especially when you had, at the time, you know, not only were there already a lot of entertainment publications, whether it was Premier Magazine or Entertainment Weekly or, you know, the trades like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, but then you have this whole component, or the whole fact that it's only online. Like, how did you teach people to, to come to Jesus? <laughs> In some ways, there was a bit of, of teaching that had to happen because... It, it, it's hard to believe now, but in, in 95, 96, when we started this online community that preceded IndieWire, it was called iLine, um, folks weren't really online or even um, getting, getting email that, uh, at least especially a lot of the more established folks in the indie community, weren't really connected to email in a really dynamic way or a really um, regular way. So it, there was a certain amount of evangelizing and sort of advocacy for the potential of the internet. IndieWire began not as a website, but actually as a daily email that, that we started out sending to literally 200 people that I would send from my AOL account every night. And it took a little while, took a few months to convince people that not only did they need to be getting IndieWire, but they actually needed to be online to be right, right. getting email. And, and so, you know, we met with we met with some folks like Ted Hope and Anthony Bregman, Mary Jane Skalski, the folks at Good Machine were our earliest supporters, took us to lunch one day and wanted to hear about this idea. And, and they and other folks in the industry just started kind of spreading the word, um, you know, sort of in a grassroots way, forwarding the email to their friends, telling their friends to get on email. And we were really kind of early advocates for people to use emails in the, in the film community to use email and the internet as a way to, uh, to network and to connect. No, definitely. And we'll, and we'll go into a little bit more of that soon. Well, I'm curious about, um, you know, when you're, when you're launching a web service in the mid to late 90s, you know, not, yeah, a lot of people were slow to adopt to, you know, the internet, especially, you know, compared to the way they are today. How did you guys survive the dot-com bust that occurred around 99, 2000, 2001? We just, um, we, we've always maintained a modest size. Um, you know, I think that even now we, we look at what's going on and how media is changing. And we feel very strong and very good about um, our standing because we've, we've maintained a, a, a modest size, small staff, um, low overhead. Uh, you know, we've been, a, we've been a small business for a very long time. And it, it was hard in the late 90s. Um, there was a lot of, you know, we covered the dot-com boom from the film perspective um, in 99, 2000, 
when all these companies kind of infiltrated Sundance specifically, and it was a really interesting moment to be there and to see the emergence of you know, these sites for short films and things like that. And there was a, there was a tremendous temptation uh, on the part of a lot of people to, to expand, to grow quickly, expand quickly. Right. And, you know, we... we to grow IndieWire quickly as well. As well, yeah. I mean, we, we considered a lot of those kinds of options and it never really made total sense. And I'm really glad we didn't. Um, you know, we almost sold the company a couple of times early in, in those early days. And it, from a business point of view, it just didn't make sense. And we, we wisely ended up, in, in retrospect, we wisely um, kept, stayed small, tried to stay focused on what we wanted to do. And, and and just kind of slowly grew and then and then it was you know flashing way forward um, to last year we uh, we finally met with uh, folks who we felt like really got what we wanted to do and we're going to be great partners and that that you know I'm flashing way ahead but that's how we ultimately found and, and met with uh, Ted Leonsis Rick Allen who uh, from who were starting snag films um, and this was like October we actually met them in New York in December of uh, 07 and then we sat down at Sundance in January of 08 and then we sold the company to uh, to Snag Films and it was our, our on our 12th anniversary and, and Snag launched a couple of days later I think July 17th of 08 um, and and these are our new colleagues uh, here and we're really thrilled I mean that they they really got what we were trying to do and we've worked together to build the site you see up up here behind me, um, we spent good part of the rest of last year or all of the rest of last year and early part of this year relaunching the site and right. even from January 12th when the site relaunched to today, uh, almost into May now, the site is still changing and still evolving and we're still bringing in new aspects of the site that, um, that we've been developing for months now. So, James, um, when did you join IndieWire? I think, let me, I was just thinking about that. I, I worked <laughs> with IndieWire for about four or five Sundances as the managing editor. We used to do a print publication there, and I started out doing that, and then I think I've been full-time with IndieWire. Uh, this is my fourth or fifth year. And before that, I worked at an organization called the Association of Independent Video and Filmmakers, which was like a like a resource center for filmmakers. And which no I'm, longer exists. Which no longer, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Rest in peace. And... Um, I also am a filmmaker myself, so I feel like I actually am able to lend, you know... Speak from that point of view, which, exactly. uh, which I was, what, I, what I was getting at. It, for you, as someone who is making films and comes, from that, comes at it from that background, how do you, as an editor for the site, make sure that you know, those, those needs are, are being you know, appealed to? Um, well, sort of what I have my hands And his of, role has morphed also over those yeah, years, which I, I'll let you... I, what, what was James. I called the utility player? Because I think I've done almost every single thing you can do at IndieWire. <laughs> um, and uh, these days I'm, I'm focused purely on uh, the advertising and marketing. And the marketing part is like building relationships like these events here at Apple Store. Like we, when me and Eugene saw that Apple was doing events with filmmakers, we had always wanted to do some sort of filmmaker component or, or have some sort of like live event and coming from AIVF where we used to do those all the time we felt that that was um, a space that we could fill because when they went away there were no more of those and and 
we also like the idea that you know there's no like reservations here and people can just show up and and as you can see we've got all these great ones going on this week and so it's you know I, I think they're fantastic as a filmmaker because they're all like free workshops and you're hearing from like the best people but so so like what are the different so when you decide okay we're going to create a news section we're going to create a, a review section we're going to create a festival section you know what is sort of as you go on a day-to-day -day basis and you're looking for advertisers and looking for partners I guess what is your sort of MO like do you are there times when people want to do partnerships that you're just like no that doesn't make sense with what we're about or is, is it just depend on whether or not the check clears um, from the advertising perspective um, as you can see well we relaunched the site in January and one thing we did was we started carrying what's called industry standard ad units bigger better units to make our company um, able to generate even more revenue. And, and, and to keep IndieWire free. To keep IndieWire free. And you can see one of our loyal sponsors here, Stella Artois, up here. And, and we have a lot of uh, relationships with the different distribution companies. And the interesting thing about IndieWire is uh, so many different kinds of people support us, like film festivals, uh, distribution companies, people releasing DVDs, right. people like Stella who just want to support independent film self-distributed filmmakers yeah we run the whole range so it's great that we can speak to that i mean i love it when a filmmaker calls me and they're letting out some dvd and right. they're like oh can you you know i have this much can you help me get an ad up on your site so, so what what, what I, go ahead. I think the value that james brings also tying back to aivf is that he used to be the guy that you would that would answer the phone when you called aivf and you know they, their library door was open to anybody who wanted yeah. to walk in there so james as a filmmaker and as a resource person at AIVF would hear the kinds of questions that filmmakers had. So I don't know if we directly answered your earlier question, which is that he, he has been an important internal advocate for the kinds of information and resources we needed to develop, and we still need to develop, and we're looking for that feedback from, from filmmakers and from folks in the industry constantly. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this event, was not only to show you some of the new areas of our site that recently launched, but also to hear from you and to get you thinking about what new areas we need to develop. We have, a, we have an idea of where we want to go with some of the resources. Um, and if Steph hits the second tab, you can see the, uh, one, of the one, one of the areas that just launched. Um, one of our editors, Peter Kinnett, is in the front row here, helped to work on building this just in the past uh, couple of weeks, um, is a, what we call film pages, is a, a resource page, a resource area for individual films. And you can go to a page for an individual film. You can rate the film. You can discuss the film. You can find out. You get a link to the film's website. Um, you can get links to other coverage of that film, the New York Times Review, the IMDb page. Um, really trying to be a better place for, uh, and ultimately we want to be able to put clips on these pages and more photos and things like that. So trying to be a resource for folks who are trying to find films that are in release. Or if you're an independent filmmaker, let's get your film on this page so that someone can find it, can find coverage of your film, find the review that the Times wrote or whoever else, uh, or link to your website. So real quick, and then we'll segue over to, to Andrew. Um, what What is the, give us some stats here. So like, what is like the unique views? Like how many people come to IndieWire? Where is IndieWire's place in the ecosystem of indie film culture websites? Uh, I can answer the traffic part. Um, IndieWire, we get about, 300,000 unique visitors a month, about 1 million page views. And we did one of our first, well, we had a survey a long time ago. Basically, when we went through this whole process of redesigning the site last fall, we 
kind of opened up the hood of the car and looked around to see if, you know, try to collect as much information about what's been going on before we relaunched this. And we did a survey and found like 40% of our readers are filmmakers. And we, we kind of came out with this idea of tagging our site as aimed at three different audiences, industry, filmmakers, and then fans, which fans, of course, is, right. takes all three of those. And I think the last point I want to pick up on that, because I, I know we want to get to the folks from Snag, uh, our colleagues here, um, is that the, the, the philosophy of the site evolved has evolved dramatically over the past year, year and a half, as we've been working with the folks at Snag and, and developing a plan, a long-term plan for IndieWire. And that is that it really, it really is not only a place to get information and to get original news, and we have news, we have, you, know, you can see our news section, uh, Steph tabs over, um, and we have blogs and things like that, but IndieWire is not just a place to get original content, photos, news, reviews, but it's really meant to be more of a gateway to not only other content on the web, but to bloggers, to information, um, to resources. So it's not only about what we create, but it's about being that gateway to help you find more information about the kinds of movies that we all care so much about. Independent film, international film, documentary film. Um, those are all really important to us. So if we can be a, a hub and a, and a, a way to person or a, a site that curates um, information and also bloggers. Matt Dentler has a blog that's hosted by IndieWire. We, we host that blog. We link to other blogs. On our front page, you can see the blog feed that takes you to other, um, other blogs that we find interesting. And there's a constantly updated feed of information. And we're constantly looking for ways to develop that. So we're, we're here also to tell you that we're looking for that feedback. We're looking for the, that guidance from you. And, and we're also looking at ways to kind of redevelop ways to involve you even more through social networking opportunities and, and ways to kind of connect the community around this content in a much stronger way. No, and that's great. And that's why I think a, a partnership with Snag um, makes a lot of sense. I mean, Andrew, why don't you tell us sort of the, the, the quick evolution from AOL True Stories to Snag Films and, and what Snag Films is? Because there's probably a lot of people in the room who aren't that familiar with it. Well, quickly, I would say that you know, Snag Films is a place to see great movies and try to push it to the largest audience possible on the web. Uh, we are a platform company, uh, but we really look at ourselves as a way of distributing films uh, throughout the web uh, where people would most likely find them contextually. So we promote our films by a, a widget technology, which simply are virtual movie theaters. So every single film that comes on to snag films will have its own virtual movie theater that can live on any page on the web so that we can contextualize your film uh, with major media partners as well as spread your films virally throughout the web. Uh, snag films uh, had its genesis uh, with the original programming at AOL True Stories where Stephanie Shares was a, a creative exec uh, and we were a a channel called AOL True Stories dedicated to documentary films. At that time, we were free streaming on the web uh, as well as electronic sell-through. Uh, and uh, it was a place where originally you could only get to it through AOL. Uh, it evolved to a place now where we're a freestanding, privately owned company uh, with, you know, before we had possibly you know, 50 films, including Les's Turning the Sea of Time, to 700 films right now. Uh, I'm going to let Stephanie take it from here for a little bit and show you uh, the site. And then I'd love, you know, as long as we are honored to have Les here, uh, to have Les speak to his experience um, from 
AOL True Stories, now to Snag Films, from one film to now nine films with a channel on Snag Films. Yeah, so let's let's see let's see sort of Snag in action because I mean you know broadband film viewing is still a fairly you know new technology. It's a new medium. It's definitely something that households are starting to become more aware of. So you know let's. I'm, okay. I'm going to say one quick thing. Uh, you'll see here uh, Greasy Rider and uh, Matt Denler from CRM. Uh, not only being a great friend to all of us personally, but also a great business partner. Uh, we have a great relationship with them where we get a lot of their great documentary films that they're going to stream on the web. Uh, ultimately, they'll be streaming in Snack Films. We're thrilled to yeah, have I mean, you know, right here. I mean, our, our whole job is to release films online, and Snag is a great resource for that, You know, especially when you have documentaries that tap into a cultural zeitgeist. But Stephanie, go ahead and sure. give us um, a demo. So just touching on what Andrew was saying about Snag Films is a destination site, uh, but we're also a web platform, and all of our films, all 650 films, can be snagged, hence our name, and taken to any website. Um, you can do so here. And here are some major uh, web publishing platforms, Facebook, you can email it, you can put it on your, your iGoogle page. And this is how we've been able to spread the films and spread them wide and far on, on the internet. We have over 25,000 virtual movie theaters, which is what we call this. Um, just opens like a movie theater. You can also create a movie theater and send it to your friends. You can curate it. Um, it's very easy to do if the page loads. Um, I'm going to quickly, in three seconds, make a movie theater. And so, so for those of you who don't know, I mean, this is so basically these films are streaming in their entirety. We're talking feature-length films for free with advertising, and we'll talk a little bit about that model in a second. But you know, it's an opportunity to embed and spread. As so, it were. so I've I've created the movie theater. It's now showing my three films, and I can take it, send it, and, and publish it around the web. We have established distribution partners, very effective uh, distribution for niche niche content. Uh, we have um, partnerships with AOL. So you can see here AOL News, which has over 50 million unique visitors a month, has a virtual movie theater right here uh, featuring our Earth Day compilation. We also, ha we also see, um, I had this all forgot. We also see small, uh, small blogs taking films. We have a, an anime blog that will put our anime documentary um, so that's a way for us to, to, to have massive distribution. Over 50 million page views of our widgets are seen each week. So that's a massive um, exposure for, for small documentaries. And then the, the final thing I want to show, which is very important to our founder, Ted Leonsis, is really um, connecting films, and many of the documentaries are social action films, to causes. So here is a film called Kicking It, about the Homeless World Cup, and you can see here, support this film's cause. That is a, a direct connection, so you can see the film, watch it in its entirety, and then be um, moved to action and learn more about the cause, donate, get involved. So that, that's, I think, a, a unique um, way that, that Snag Films can help filmmakers advance their causes. So. That's a, that's a quick and overview. So, so, so leave that page up. So if you see, I mean, what's to give a little more clarity to, to how you can use this, I mean, 
there's are the options that are involved. There's the buy DVD link, right? So people can click over there and it'll take them to a store or you know they can add the film to Facebook obviously through Facebook Connect I'm assuming that's what that is um, and then you know you can also make this full screen right if you wanted to um, through some of the different options there um, and we also we have a, a channel on Hulu and YouTube's new long form initiative so again we're a web platform rather than just a destination site so we want the films to reach people where they're consuming long form content and uh, do you mind showing us real quick, like going, like maybe go to IndieWire and the sort of virtual movie theater that's living on IndieWire and show kind of how, like just the actual experience of like going to a, a different website and taking you to the film. So yeah, so you're on the website and like, let's say you wanted to see whatever the first film is. And so yeah, you click and it takes you right there, which is great. Um, so this week we're hosting the, uh, the Earth... Earth Day uh, compilation package, of which yeah. together is a package of, of films around Earth Day. Um, and so, Andrew, um, and then we'll speak to Les uh, right after this question. So, for people who, you know, in the audience who might say, okay, I mean, there's obviously either misconceptions or preconceived notions about streaming, ad supported streaming on the web. First and foremost, how do people, how do the filmmakers make money? They make money the way we make money, which is that we make everyone a partner from the very first uh, advertisement served with a uh, film, which you just saw, I think, City. We split the revenue that we receive 50-50 with uh, our filmmakers. So that's across the board, no matter if you're CRM, National Geographic, or Les Guthman, we're always uh, going to be splitting the revenue that we receive 50-50 with, with our partners. And that's uh, how we make money, that's how you make money, uh, and uh, we're here hoping that uh, each one of you will find a place on Snag Films and we can not only get your film seen as, as widely as possible, but also make you uh, money while you're doing that. So, and then for people who say, okay, well, you know, that's great, but I don't want to watch a movie on my laptop or, or whatever, what is, your, what is your sort of usual response to something like that? Well, we, we work with films at any point in its life, so we've been able to co-world premiere films with festivals, but we're also, uh, we also uh, work with films, older films, we work with you know, long-tail titles that maybe uh, a filmmaker has that's not you know, with their um, you know, present film that they might have in a festival, but it might be you know, 5, 10, uh, even older. Um, so not, we're able to work with you at any time during a film's uh, you know, timetable, but we're also we're happy, you know, as Matt just pointed out, to point folks to buy the DVD. We want people to consume uh, the films the way they want to consume them. We're a part of the puzzle of this landscape for getting films out there, uh, and we know that there are others. There are, you know, there are iTunes, there's Netflix, uh, obviously there's you know, theatrical and uh, you know, broadcast. Uh, we can work alongside any of those windows. Uh, so we're saying, you know, we're part of the puzzle. We're here when you want us to be here, and we're going to be happy to push your film out. I want to make a quick point because I think it's worth emphasizing, especially for the filmmakers in the audience. Um, you know, when we, from the very first meeting that that I had with with our chairman Ted and with our CEO Rick uh, back in December of '07, um, the idea that they were developing for snag films was really attractive to me personally i'm a 
documentaries are my the most important kinds of film to me. I, those are my favorite movies, documentaries. I will go see a documentary um, anytime uh, over a narrative film, frankly, because I just care a lot about true stories. Um, and I think that it's a really hard... I mean, you had a couple of documentaries do very well in theaters this weekend, and yet it's really challenging on, for the average documentary film. There's very few that stand out and have a chance to survive theatrically. And what really was exciting to me personally was that here was a company and here were people that were devoted to creating a home for documentaries so that if these documentaries could have some kind of viable distribution for free online, a place you can buy the DVD, partnerships through other sites like Hulu and YouTube, um, that's how we make sure that documentaries continue to be supported and funded and produced in the future. If, if distribution dries up for documentary theatrically and that's the only viable distribution platform um, we're not going to have those kinds of documentaries being made or, or as many documentaries or as many true stories being told. Right. Well, and, and I think it's, it's important to note that, you know, I mean, go, go ahead and click full screen again if you can. I mean, you know, right now, I mean, you know, the film's playing great. It's high. It's, you know, really high quality video. Take it up to full screen. And, you know, you're essentially watching a movie on the computer right now. I mean, there's, it's all about the delivery mechanism, you know, whether you're going to watch it through a projector, you're going to watch it through an HDMI cable in your television. It's really just about finding the content and figuring out the, the environment that works best for you. Yes, but you know, almost every new TV set that's being manufactured today is being manufactured. If you buy a new Sony, you can buy a Sony that will access Hulu, or right. will access the web. So virtually soon, yeah. it's going to be built into your TV set and make it, early, you know, make it easy to watch documentaries. Um, but just the, from, from, the Wait, standpoint, your mic from the standpoint of the public's perception of watching uh, documentaries uh, or television online, I remember when John Hendricks, who was the founder of the Discovery Channel, was going around out of his garage licensing documentaries because he had this idea for a cable channel that would, air, that would broadcast right. documentaries. And everybody said, nobody's going to watch documentaries on cable, and nobody knew what cable was, and cable wasn't wired. And you know, it took two years, and suddenly cable was big. And it, the same thing is happening here. You know, Stephanie and Andrew are creating the Discovery Channel of the future. Right. And I, I asked Stephanie to put up my film, The Hudson River Keepers, which I made 10 years ago with Bobby Kennedy Jr. And this is a perfect example. This is a, a wonderful film, but not, you know, not, I made it adequately, but Bobby Kennedy Jr. and the work uh, that he and the Hudson River Keepers did, and that, that's the Long Island Sound Keeper there, um, it's a great, great story. It's a great environmental story, and it did well 10 years ago when it, it played on television, it was in film festivals, and we've sold you know, an adequate number of DVDs, but that's not really a life for, independent films really don't have a life, um, uh, unless they're the few that get some theatrical right. release. But here, uh, it's available 24 seven in the United States and increasingly around the world, and the other great potential that, that we haven't quite talked about, because Snag isn't quite there yet, is broadcasting documentaries around the world where, right. to countries where they're not so media-saturated as we are. The two, great the two great things about Snag films that are represented in this film, um, the Hudson Riverkeeper organization can, take, can snag the film and put it on its website. Uh, and also people can link to the Hudson Riverkeeper organization and sure. contribute. Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it's really exciting, I think, especially because you are, I mean, for you as a filmmaker, as, as, as you know, an established documentary filmmaker, um, 
I mean, how do you feel about the idea? I mean, it seems like you're, I mean, obviously you're you're in favor of ideas like this, so that, that's not really a question. But you know, for you, how do you think this is going to change the way documentaries are made and seen? Well, in the it's going to revolutionize documentaries because it's going to revolutionize the business of making independent films, not just documentaries, because very soon. We're talking about two years, maybe three years, which is soon, I think, in the filmmaking world. Um, we hope to be generating enough revenue to be able to raise money to make films, to create. I'm, I created my company, XPLR, both as a production company and as a company that's, that's buying rights to documentaries, not just uh, documentaries that I made or that I produced, but ones that I like that are either adventure documentaries or environmental films. And at... And at some point, the revenues will be substantial enough that we, like any independent production company or independent studio, right. will be able to go out and get financing for films and have a revenue stream and a business model that operates online, as it, you know, as it is when the Huffington Post was launched or truthdig.com, nobody thought, you know, what's the revenue stream going to be right. there? But but once the, you build Nature the audience, finds yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a revenue stream, especially, and that's what, that's what we're going to do with snag films. Especially in this economy, when people are looking for quote-unquote free options. I think it's worth mentioning, too, and I, and I know we want to get to a couple questions from the audience, but um, I think it's worth mentioning that, that you know so much in our media is changing right now, and not only from IndieWire's world of, of creating content about, about our community, um, you know, you see the changes happening at places like Variety and in traditional media, um, and also you see what's happening with distribution and, and the opportunities being created by sites like Snag, Hulu, YouTube, iTunes, of course, um, you know, all of these sites together are collectively changing the way we consume and interact with, with media. And likewise, there's other, you know, great organizations I see, like I see Jess in the audience from Shooting People, and there's, there's tremendous partnerships out there to be made and opportunities to be developed among all of these sites and among all of these independent entities that are looking for ways to... We're all kind of working towards the same goal. Well, plus it's just, it's just practical. I mean, I know people who live in here in the city who, you know, got rid of their cable subscriptions because they can just watch hundreds of movies here on Hulu, et cetera, et cetera. Let's, uh, let's open it up to some questions while we have time. Right over there. I'll, I'll bring the microphone over because I know we have, have one. <laughs> He's doing the Phil Donahue thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh, my, name, my name is uh, Kirk Boone, and uh, I'm a freelance writer. And uh, the question is basically for uh, IndieWire and uh, Snag Films. Uh, Good, because they're here. Yeah, question for IndieWire. Uh, has anyone approached you about uh, books that are inspiring films and ha having those books available maybe along with information on the film that's made? And then for Snacks Film, um, a lot of, like HBO is acquiring books to, to make films from, so I'm currently working with a, a film production company to make some documentaries for my writings. So uh, is that an opening option for, for writers as well uh, with Snack Films? How do, how do books fit into IndieWire? Um, I mean, honestly, I would like to do, I'd like to find a better way to, um, to curate you know, resources, especially, especially um, titles that are of value to independent filmmakers, whether that be um, how-to kinds of books or um, biographies about particular filmmakers. There's, there's some you know, tremendous books out there for independent film about independent film. I, I love Christine Vachon's books, 
the John Pearson book is the Bible as far as I'm concerned, or it's the, it's the starting point for anyone who wants to understand the independent film community. They should read um, John Pearson's uh, Spike, Mike, Slackers and Dykes. It's, it's the most important you know, sort of book that sort of sets the stage for you know, what, what became this independent film community you know, over the past 25 years. I'd like to find a better way to direct people or help them find those kinds of resources because those, bu- those kinds of books were very important to me and they're still tremendous. There's a couple of them that just came out recently that are really valuable. Um, on the snag side, I know that um, you guys can answer that, but I, they're, they're focused primarily on uh, finished documentaries. One of the interesting things about Snag Films from our founding funder, uh, Ted Leones, is to Stephanie, to myself, is that we've all come from producing uh, films. And so in terms of you know, what you're saying, I mean, it's great. You know, there are lots of things that we could talk about in terms of where you know, documentaries evolve, things of that nature. But uh, what Eugene was pointing to is that we are a distribution platform. We're not a production company. So we work with finished films. That being said, we're having initiatives where we're starting to experiment with serializing uh, films that are already being made and also films that uh, might be looking uh, for funding. Uh, you know, we'll be coming out to snag films at an earlier stage. Uh, so we're experimenting in many ways. Uh, there might be a way for books to be you know, tied into that tangentially, but... Uh, yeah. So, so it's probably worth stating, because there's probably a f- lot of people in the audience who have some variation of this question, if someone wants coverage in IndieWire, if they do have a film or a book or whatever, what's the best way to, to pitch you? Um, we get a lot of pitches. We get a lot of email. It's, it's hard to keep up with them. We read all of them. Um, you can go to our About section, and you can email us uh, directly. I think the address is iw at IndieWire.com. Um, Look for us at film festivals. We travel to dozens, if not hundreds, of festivals each year. Someone from IndieWire is often at, at many of the, of the leading film festivals each year. Um, you know, we are looking for um, stories, about, stories to tell about independent film, whether that be an interview with a filmmaker, a review of a film, uh, a report about a film or, or coverage of a film at a particular festival like Tribeca, like um, any number of other festivals throughout the year. Uh, we invite you to send us information about your movie. Um, I would recommend starting with a brief email to our to our editors, um, rather than just sending us a screener, because we do get people that send stuff to us. We'd rather have you send us just a little bit of information about your movie first um, before sending us a screener. We have a we have a small office, and um, and I don't want to I don't want to encourage you to to uh, to waste any of so your to resources. Create. I just want to jump in. We're we're always interested in hearing from uh, folks that are making documentaries, have documentaries already, um, you know, finished and looking for distribution. You can start the process of of reaching out to Snag Films on our website. Um, you, you can find submit a film, and we look forward to to hearing from you. And I think I know we're almost out of time, but it, there might be a couple. Yeah, more. yeah. But after this is over, we have another event coming up at at uh, five o'clock with Connor McPherson. Um, but the folks from IndieWire, the folks from Snag, will um, hang out in the back um, back here. So if you want to, you know, to meet us or talk to us or ask us any questions, we'll be available as well. Couple more questions. Hi, my name is Teresa Lung, and I'm a filmmaker. Sorry, I came a little bit late, but my question is. Do you have a quick case study of a film that you think was the most successful on Snag so far um, in terms of like the revenue it's brought in or the exposure that it's, um, that it's been given? Um, and also in terms of tips about 
you know, how do you see Snag fitting in? I know you talked about Hulu, but in terms of distribution, where does it truly fit in in terms of monetizing itself? For we the probably user? only have time for one of those questions. Do you want to say either either how a film is successful on Snag? Sure. I think um, a good case study would be a film called The End of America, which we co-world premiered with the Hamptons Film Festival. Um, so the, the, the day that it went um, in the theater at the Hamptons, it was online on Snag Films. We partnered with the ACLU, and they sent a blast out to 300,000 members, and in, in just a matter of two days, over 75,000 people had seen the film on Snag Films. So what, what that tells us, and, and the lessons that we're learning, is it's very important, especially for a film, um, and that is, let me see if I can find it, a, a film that's really, uh, this was a sort of call to action, it was a very politically charged film, and so, you know, if there's an advocacy angle, partnering with organizations that have uh, an active membership and that would already be um, interested in the issue, so we're finding that fusing the online with an outreach um, initiative that you're, you know, you're um, going to see a much, a much greater increase in the, the actual streams. And in this case, there's a timeliness to a need to get the film out. They wanted it to be part of the discussion of you know the presidential race, and the only way you could do that is online. And so we were happy to be able to come in and get them their film out when they wanted to do it. Uh, and you can see here, there, there are about 500 comments on that film. So it really generated a lot of energy, and the um, the ability to watch it and start a dialogue was also seen um, as a success story from the filmmakers and us. Um, okay, we have another question right here. Yeah, were you? Yes. <laughs> Hi, my name is Cheryl Duncan, and I'm the publicist for the New York African Film Festival, which is at Lincoln Center. I want. I'm this year. I did a panel on um, how to promote your film, and next year I'm going to recommend to them that we do a panel on distribution as well. And I was just wondering if you do go to other film festivals and talk about that, and then I you talk about you know. Or, uh, join panels and that sort of thing. And I also wanted to know: do the do the if the if it goes virally, do the filmmakers make more money? Like if they use their own networks to push the film further, will they make more money, or is it just like kind of a set? As I long as they channel. watch it off of Snag, they're making money from Snag. Me meaning, well, no matter where you find the film through the virtual movie theaters, like, you know, you're making the same money as if you were on the Snag, you know, Snagfilms.com. So we're monetizing the film for you no matter where it is. If it's on a separate portal, such as Hulu or YouTube, we're still monetizing it, uh, but in a, in a different way. Yes, yeah, uh, so if you found the film on AOL News or a small um, blog or your Facebook page, it launches a player and we monetize. So there's never a view that we don't fully monetize and share back with a filmmaker. And yes, I think all of us are e very easy panel whores. We will, we're, we're always happy to speak. <laughs> Especially Matt Dettler. Yeah, maybe not as much as Matt, but yeah, we, we love the opportunity to speak. We actually have a film festival initiative that we just announced last week where we have made alliances with uh, different film festivals. We're proud to say that a few of them are uh, hot docs and full frame, where that uh, when you come on to Snag Films as with this kind of alliance, you're curating the films that appear on Snag Films. You'll get a channel and a multiplex theater widget that has a carousel of all the films that you've curated. I'll speak to you more about that after this. Thanks. Probably have time for one more quick question. Who, we, who do we have? Hi, this is uh, for Snag Films. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I just want to know exactly. I'm not sure. You said you, 
you split the revenue 50%, but how do you actually accrue the revenue? It's, it's all advertising based. So it's, it's, there are, we have advertise, you know, advertisements within the video stream. So there's a 15 second pre-roll, a few of them which you may have caught while we're demonstrating the site. And then every eight to 10 minutes, there's another advertisement, uh, 15 second advertisement. So whenever one of those ads is served, uh, you know, obviously the advertiser is paying to have it there. We split that revenue. Uh, whatever we receive from that advertiser, we split with you. Okay, so that's obviously separate from my DVD sales and things like that. Correct, it's in addition. Great, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. Let's thank uh, IndieWire, Snack Films. Thank you to the Apple Store, Soho.